Okay, so the frame arms race is typically thought about in terms of human warfare. One side will come up with a piece of technology, and then the other side has to come up with a piece of technology that can beat the first piece of technology. Then the first side has to come up with a new piece of technology that can beat the piece of technology that beat their first piece of technology. It's a horrible, super, super messy thing. That being said, we don't typically think about arms races as being part of our interactions with bacteria. But today, we're going to learn all about the antibiotic arms race that is going on right now in our world. All this and so much more on today's episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. I'm your host, Dr. K. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If this is your first time, be sure to like and follow and share this episode, or you could just share the whole dang podcast for extra bonus points. Um, Also, I just wanted to issue out a hearty huzzah to all you Apple users out there. You can stop bugging me about getting this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It is finally on there. I bit the bullet, got myself an active Apple ID, which turned out to be much more difficult than... I wanted it to be, but in any event, it is live on Apple Podcasts now. Haran has offered that. Um, What next? In addition to this happy and joyous news, you can also stay up to date with the show on the Instagrams. Uh, In order to do that, just give us a follow at Science with Dr. K. That's Science with Dr. Underscore K, where you can find other additional scientific content. If you are current on the show, you may also have noted that the past couple weeks have featured questions from the audience, so if you have a question related to bacteria or some other small microbial creature, feel free to reach us out, uh, reach out to us, excuse me, on the Instagrams. Um, but other than that, let us move on to the show. So, what is this whole deal with antibiotics and arms races, Dr. K? Tell us more about this. Well, um, in many episodes... At this point, we've hinted at this overall concept that there are some bacteria that can become resistant to antibiotics. And we've also, I I think, all but explicitly mentioned that this could be something that's really dangerous to humanity in the long term. But before we bang our hand down on the red panic button, let us first spend a little bit of time introducing antibiotics. What is an antibiotic and how do they work? Antibiotics, according to the CDC, they're drugs, typically in the form of like a pill or a cream or something like this, that are used to treat types of infections, bacterial infections specifically, either by killing the microbe outright or slowing their growth. Antibiotics are part of a larger group of drugs called antimicrobials, even though sometimes the terms can be used interchangeably when you're, obviously, when you're dealing with a bacterial infection. Antibiotics come in two primary flavors. They come in uh, bactericidal and bacteriostatic antibiotics. An antibiotic like canamycin, for example, works as a bactericide or a drug that will actually kill the bacteria itself. Um, Bactericides work in a whole bunch of different ways. Uh, One common way is, is preventing the bacteria from building up their own cell wall, peptidoglycan, which I don't know if we've talked about before, but if not, we'll have to talk about it later. Um, the, yeah, sorry, recapping. Canamycin, the bacteria side, works by stopping the formation of peptidoglycan by preventing bacteria from building out their own cell wall. The cell wall of the bacteria um, is needed so its insides don't, you know, just bleh all over the place. Um, so when antibiotic keeps the bacteria from building up its cell wall anymore, it just kind of breaks apart, the insides spill out, and then the bacteria is dead. 
So that's bactericides. Bacteriostatic antibiotics, on the other hand, work by just simply slowing the growth of the bacteria, and that allows the immune system to make a comeback and finally kill the bacteria. Bacteriostatic antibiotics include things like uh, doxycycline, uh, erythromycin, uh, and also azithromycin. Azithromycin, you may recognize, that's the typical type of antibiotic that you'll get if you have something like an ear infection or, or strep throat or something like that. Um, Ooh, a quick aside before we continue, which one of those do you think could be better to use? Well, Dr. K, you say very smugly. I don't mean to appear smug, but it seems that the one of them bacteria side, you know, the one with the side suffix in it, I would suggest that it's better at killing bacteria. Mightn't it be that one? It turns out, no. Whereas you would think you would want a bacteria side if you wanted to just kill the bacteria, it turns out there really isn't any difference, as far as we know, in terms of which are more effective at stopping a bacterial infection. In fact, a systematic review, that would be a bunch of articles all asking the same question back in the early 2010s, demonstrated that there wasn't really a huge difference. And in fact, bacteria stats seemed to do better in at least six instances. So that's very, very cool. Um, anyway, so those are the two different types of antibiotics, bactericidal and bacteriostatic. The first one kills bactericidal, and then the second one just slows the growth, bacteriostatic. Now, Dr. K, we would imagine that when a group of bacteria happens upon an antibiotic that they're not exactly thrilled. Is this what leads to antibiotic resistance? Yes, in short. Whenever a group of bacteria happens upon an antibiotic, they're not particularly happy. And if they want to survive that encounter with the antibiotic, they need to have mechanisms in place that allow them to blunt the effects of the drug. Now, granted, most bacteria don't just magically have systems in place to deal with antibiotics, so your typical naive bacteria will just die if it comes in contact with an antibiotic, especially a bactericide. Now, this is super useful for humans because we can use them then to control bacterial disease, but we run into a problem called population bottlenecking. And in population bottlenecking, the general principle is that some extreme environmental conditions select for very, very specific traits. And this is the case when it comes to antibiotic resistance. Due to the variability in a bacterial population, there's usually only a handful of bacteria that have an innate ability to overcome that antibiotic. But if the antibiotic is killing off all the other competitors then that handful of bacteria that is resistant, inherently resistant to the antibiotic, can continue to grow and thrive and spread until it represents the vast majority of bacteria in that bacterial community. Okay, so let's, uh, let's get a little clearer and give an example of what this might look like in nature. So usually it looks a little something like this. There's a whole group of bacteria, a bunch of different types of bacteria with a bunch of different genetic variability in a community. Then that community gets exposed to an antibiotic. That antibiotic then kills all but those that are naturally resistant. And so that means then that the new colony that grows from the remains of that initial community is totally resistant to the antibiotic. Now, you can start to see why this would be an issue for health. If you don't completely get rid of all the bacteria in infection when you're treating with an antibiotic, then any resistant bacteria will just come back with a vengeance and be even harder to treat. That's why it's super, super important to completely take a full course of antibiotics when your doctor says so. The antibiotics will kill all the bacteria that aren't resistant, and that'll be the vast majority in most cases. And then your immune system will just mop up any resistant bacteria now that it doesn't have as many bacteria to worry about. 
I'll emphasize that again. Whenever you take antibiotics, make sure to take the full course. You want to make sure to kill all susceptible bacteria so that way your immune system has enough time to regroup and dismantle any resistant bacteria before they grow up and reestablish themselves in the affection. Okay, so now that we've talked a little bit about how antibiotic resistance happens from a more, uh, I guess well, I'll say a more ecological standpoint, let's jump a little bit into what actually happens inside the bacteria. And as always, it comes down to the genes of the bacteria. Genes, just as a refresher for those of you guys who do not know, are to cells what blueprints are for buildings. And when I say blueprints are for buildings, I mean every blueprint ranging from the structure of the building itself to the computers, to the windows, to the doors of the building. If you want something to get built in a building, you need to have a blueprint for it. And similarly, if you want something to get built in a cell, you need to have genes that encode those things. Okay, now just as there are genes for everything else in the bacterial cell, there are also genes for very specific structures and machines that can blunt the effect of an antibiotic. These so-called antibiotic resistant genes build up structures that the bacteria can then use to stop an antibiotic from killing it or slowing its growth. And these actually, it's really cool. These antibiotic resistance genes are just as varied as the antibiotics themselves. So if you zoom in, if you zoom in on the bacteria, the way that those resistance genes allow the bacteria to fight off antibiotics are super creative and super cool. They'll make um, they'll make these little machines that'll like clip a tag on an antibiotic molecule to essentially turn it off. They can make little little tiny shields that protect the things that the antibiotics are targeting from ever attaching and causing damage. Um, they could also just make little tiny export tools that grab the antibiotic just as it's coming into the cell and then ship it right back outside before it can cause any damage. There's, there's a whole bunch of ways that these little guys are able to fight off antibiotics. And this all comes down to the genes that they have on hand. Now, wait a minute, Dr. K. I'm feeling a, bit, a little bit queasy with something. You said a few episodes ago that genetic material can be transferred between bacteria. Does that mean that antibiotic resistance genes can also be transferred? And this is where it gets a little spooky. Yes, absolutely, 100% yes. You may recall bacterial conjugation, which is when one bacteria, the donor bacteria, gives a piece of genetic material to another bacteria. That would be the recipient bacteria. And yes, that piece of genetic material could very easily be an antibiotic resistance gene. And this is another reason why it's super important to use a full course of antibiotics and knock out any bacteria that are present in infection if you're using an antibiotic. Because if you don't knock them all out and then just let the antibiotic-resistant bacteria grow back, then it can just start sharing that antibiotic resist resistance genes it has with other bacteria. Only this time, they've been ecologically enriched due to that bottlenecking that we talked about a few minutes ago. And they have, therefore, they have a much bigger head start. Now, I mentioned that one way that bacteria can obtain antibiotic resistance genes is through bacterial conjugation. But it turns out that that's not the only way that they can pick up antibiotic resi resistance genes. It turns out that they can pick up these genes from their environment as well. We'll talk about environmental DNA and the ramifications of that on another day. That's actually, we may have to do like a deep dive on the mitochondria, but that is a different different topic. For now, all you need to know is that sometimes antibiotic resistance genes can be found just lying around next to a bacteria. And there's really nothing stopping a bacteria from just swimming up, giving it the gene an exploratory sniff, and then just swallowing it on up and then using it as a way to combat antibiotics. This phenomenon 
of bacteria essentially swallowing up environmental DNA and then using that DNA is also very loosely known as bacterial transformation. And it's another way that bacteria can keep changing their genome. Now, what's really, really fun and really crazy is that bacteria can find some of these resistance genes in some of the most bonkers and outlandish places. There was a paper that came out in April of this year, that'd be April 2023, where a group of researchers at the University of Laval in Quebec were investigating a bunch of clouds that were near a dormant volcano. And these researchers were very surprised to find that this cloud actually had a bunch of antibiotic resistance genes just floating around in their masses. Right? And that these genes were as common, as, uh, as present as other typical environments that a bacteria could encounter. Right? So you could easily envision a situation where a bacteria, which are very small, get picked up by the breeze and then go sailing away through the air until it runs into a little poofy cloud. And then while it's exploring around the cloud and, and just looking around this chilly domain, it could very easily run into an antibiotic resistance gene swallow it up for a snack, and then be resistant, resistant to antibiotics after that. How absurd. How absolutely crazy. Um, it's a good reminder for a lot of different things. Uh, first of all, it's a good reminder to take antibiotic resistance seriously, but it's also really neat um, instance, example of how creative these tiny little creatures are when it comes to surviving an unfriendly environment. Now, let's wrap this all up and get out of here. Number one. Antibiotics are drugs that are used to kill bacteria, and they can be either bactericidal, which kills the bacteria, or bacteriostatic, which slows their growth. Number two, using antibiotics is ecologically enriching for bacteria that are inherently resistant, so take that full antibiotic course. Number three, antibiotic-resistant bacteria have genes that are used to build structures that blunt the effectiveness of antibiotics. Number four, these antibiotic resistance genes can be transferred from bacteria to bacteria using something like bacterial conjugation. And finally, number five, bacteria can also pick up antibiotic resistance genes from their environment, sometimes from environments you would not expect. Now, before we head out today, I started out this episode by talking about arms races. And you may have noticed at this point that it kind of is an arms race. The big question is, is there going to be a point when bacteria are resistant to all the antibiotics we have? Are we going to have to make more antibiotics? Are we going to have to look to other options as ways of combating bacteria? And that's where we end up with this idea of an arms race. We'll come up with something like antibiotics to control bacteria, and then bacteria will come up with a way to get around it. So we have to come, with, come up with excuse me, another method to kind of rest back control, so to speak. And while that can be kind of a scary thought sometimes, thinking about it as an arms race, it's really neat because some of the paths that researchers and scientists are finding, some of the weapons that scientists all around the world are creating in order to fight this battle and, and better be able to control bacteria are super inspiring and super incredible. We're going to spend the next couple weeks talking about some of those ways that scientists are um, learning how to modulate and control bacteria. So be sure to come back next time to hear all about that. But that is all we have for today. Thank you, each and every one of you, for tuning in. I am Dr. K, and I'm super looking forward to chatting with you all next week on another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. <laughs>